This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. First of all, I want to I really have you celebrate with me this morning because uh, last week, if you didn't know, back in our Jay Seekers Children's Ministry, our leaders presented the gospel to our kids. And we kind of put it in their language. We call it Forever Friends Sunday. And basically, it's a gospel presentation to give these kids an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, make him their forever friend. And I was really excited, uh, just honestly blown away. Uh, Ten kids last weekend made that decision. So would you put your hands together and just celebrate what God is doing in the lives of our kiddos? So, so good. And then the second thing I wanted to announce has kind of been something I've, I've sort of been teasing out for, I don't know, maybe upwards of a month now. And many of you know that uh, we're kind of as a church leadership engaging on a process of, of really creating kind of, kind of like what our future as a church is going to look like. Um, we've got 17 acres here on the beautiful Rogue River. Uh, we've got 20,000 square feet of unfinished space. Most of you have never even seen. It's kind of off in that direction. And we really, as leadership, um, want to seek God in understanding how he wants us to use the space for his glory and to reach more people. We're calling it For Our Future. And uh, as a leadership, we've engaged with an architect, Create 3 Architecture, and they're going to be helping us with what I'm calling kind of our master plan uh, for this campus and including the space over in phase two. Here's the teaser. Uh, I really want everyone's feedback on how our future is going to look. There are certainly some things with phase two that we just really desperately need. We need a kitchen, we need a multi-purpose room, we need an office space, but more than that, uh, we believe that in unity, we can seek God and how best to reach people in our community. So I'm inviting you, you don't have to be a member of Bridgeway. I believe that if you're here, you're probably interested in what God is doing. And we would love to have you a part of this meeting with our architect. It's going to be on October 29th. And here's the teaser. Uh, next week is your opportunity to sign up to be a part of that meeting. So don't miss your opportunity. Please join us. And I would ask you, too, just to be joining us uh, in prayer because, uh, again, uh, God's vision for this is, is far larger than any one person. And we want to just come together as a church on this. So that's what's coming up. Today, it's all about transform and wrapping up this series. I gotta say a, a huge thank you. I've really enjoyed digging into this idea of how we grow spiritually, kind of been a, a foray into um, kind of soul care and understanding this, this part of us, our soul. Turns out that we grow, we're transformed through these really difficult experiences. Uh, the times when we take a risk, the times when we experience pain or go through tension or our tribe, the messy people that God brings into our life. And I want to wrap it up this morning with our, our last lesson, which is on this idea of risk. It's Risk Sunday this morning at Bridgeway. And if you got a Bible, I'm going to be all over the place, but I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, invite you to find your way there now. I'll give you a few minutes. It'll take me actually a while to set this up. Kind of a, a great parlay off of the baby dedications. I was thinking this week just about life potential, right? Just those two words, life potential. And standing up here, I love doing baby dedications. I don't know if I'm getting a little older, getting a little emotional about doing these. And, and every time, I, I hold this child, and I feel like, wow, it's amazing. There's so much potential in this little life. Like, this little life has its whole future in front of it. And now, I get to speak to all of you, and I want to remind you and maybe challenge you a little bit to say that you, too, have your entire life in front of you. 
that no matter where you are in your stage of life, you still have a life potential. In fact, the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus is, is your life is measured in the terms of eternity. And so it doesn't matter if you feel like, oh, I'm older or I'm washed up. In fact, God would say you have your whole life in front of you. In fact, I think what happens is the older we get, a lot of our life potential kind of gets buried in maybe apathy or certain fears. So start this message off. I want to read from the great theological insights of the prophet Dr. Seuss. In his book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, Dr. Seuss writes these words. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who'll decide where to go. And will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. 98 and three-quarter percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your name Bucksbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Alley Van Allen O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. I love a good rhyme. In fact, I love those words of Dr. Seuss. Your mountain is waiting, right? It's in front of you. And honestly, I feel like we need to be reminded of that, especially as we get older, that the mountain is still in front of us and your life is still loaded with potential. In fact, when I, I think of my life and when I think of the things that maybe prevent me from, from pursuing God to the fullest, it has to do with kind of this idea of risk and maybe the part that's harder to deal with it, kind of the counterpart to risk, is our fear of failing. In fact, I think when I look at my life and many of the people around me, there's oftentimes this pendulum between risk and then fearing our failures. Maybe better than a pendulum, it's more like a teeter-totter. And you look at this and you think, I got risk on one side, I got fear of failure on the other. And if I'm honest, you might say this morning, my fear of failure is sort of sky high. It's kind of it's taken center stage in my life. And because of my fears, my risk, my tolerance is really, really low. And what I hope to do this morning is to kind of flip the teeter-totter, where you actually understand risk from a Christian perspective, and you work really hard to minimize that fear of failure. I gotta tell you, fear of failure is crippling. If you hear nothing else from me this morning, I need you to know that a fear of failing will do far more than keep you from conquering your mountain. In fact, a fear of failure is so deadly, it will steal your happiness, it will rob you of joy, it will actually, actually limit you from the future that God has for you. So this morning, my message today is how to overcome your fear of failure. And really, this is transformational, transforming into the image, into the likeness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, kind of two words, and they're often repeated in the Bible, are the words fear not. And that is as much of a command as anything else in Scripture. Fear not. In fact, somebody counted once and, and found that that little phrase, fear not, is recorded more than 365 times in the Bible, it's almost like as human beings, we need a daily reminder to take a risk, to not be scared, to actually trust God with our lives. I don't know about you, but sometimes risking having this failure in front of us 
is largely because we don't know and really want someone to think bad of us. In fact, sometimes it just feels like life. Everyone's watching. I don't dare do that. What if I fail? Um, I want to actually show you a video of someone who failed miserably on national television. In fact, just uh, check out this video real quick. <laughs> someone else get eaten by the tire? Oh, look out. Oh, Close. Gotta move. Close. High stepping. Oh, oh, boy, there we go. Made it. Oh, no. He got eaten by the tire. He's he, under there. They're not Somebody... even stopping. No pause. Somebody's going to get him out of there. Every man left behind. Fend for yourself. <laughs> He's doing the, the, the crawl. <laughs> He's under there somewhere. This is like basic we training. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Get your knees up. Ankles up. Oh, school. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we finally he got that about guy it. out, too. Hey. Finally. He's okay. He's a little dirty. <laughs> kind of embarrassing, right? I mean, his failure is now forever enshrined on YouTube, right? Like, and we go through life, and we think that this is how it's going to play out. Man, I'm going to make a mistake, and everyone's going to know, it's going to end up broadcast, and people are going to comment on it. In fact, this is oftentimes what holds us back. I think this is just one of the ways that a fear of failure plays out in our lives. In fact, I found that there's actually seven symptoms of a fear of failure, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I would like you to kind of score yourself uh, on this test. Let me go through these seven fears of failure. Uh, top on the list, you might have a fear of failure. Number one, if you procrastinate. Any procrastinators out there? You know, you kind of face this big project and you just, you'll do anything but start the project. Oh, I must, I gotta mow the lawn, I gotta do the dishes, right? Procrastination is one of the ways a fear of failure plays out. Number two is comparison. You look at life and you think, well, I could do this, but what's somebody else doing? And you wonder how that stacks up, and it just kind of keeps you from risking. Number, t- number three on the list is self-doubt. A fear of failure also often plays out in self-doubt. Do you doubt your abilities? Do you have low self-confidence? Do you engage in sort of negative self-talk? It's a fear of failure. Number four on the list is physical symptoms. When you're faced with a really big opportunity, Do you all of a sudden get headaches or stomach aches and kind of feel them come on right as you're about to begin? Number five on the list is comfort. A fear of failure is oftentimes just being comfortable. I gotta stay within my lane. I don't wanna get too far outside of myself. Kind of come back to your comforts. Number six on the list is do you sell others on low expectations, right? You get around a group of people, and you find yourself just kind of building up this narrative, ah, don't expect much from me today, and I don't really have what it takes. Low expectations. Last, number seven on the list of a fear of failure is it comes out often in defensiveness. You become defensive and retreat when someone gives you feedback or you feel threatened by their comments about your abilities. See, here's why a fear of failure is so deadly. Because the enemy would love nothing more than to keep you kind of trapped in risk-averse behavior, right? Because if you stay risk-averse and always fear your failures, then the kingdom of God loses. It actually becomes less effective, and the kingdom of the enemy wins. That's why Jesus had this profound statement, John 10 verse 10. He talks about the enemy. He says, the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy. It's kind of how failure works, right? 
But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. See, God desires that you would step into the fullness of life, that you would face down your fears and that you would give him all the glory for the risk that you're taking. So I'm gonna give you three ways this morning in which you and I can overcome our fear of failure. And the first way has to do with this verse in Hebrews chapter 11. Hopefully you find your way there. Hebrews 11, and I wanna read for you this little verse, six. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I think everything you need to know about risk is packed into the statement that without faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, I'd love for you to memorize this, but why don't we just start this morning? Would you say this verse with me? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's actually start with the end in mind, because I think a lot of our fear of failure has to do with kind of misordered, kind of a misdirected life. And we see from Scripture that our life is to be directed in the way in which we can most please God. And I got thinking this week, I wonder if for many of us, if we just began to see what seems to be so scary in life and began to kind of see them as, hey, this isn't about me. This is about what God is calling me to do. And whatever he calls me to do, I should be able to do it because it should be pleasing to him. And we just kind of, kind of flipped the script on fear. What if we actually looked at those things that are scary and we just got honest about them and said, hey, you know what? Is what I'm about to do, is it going to please God? Because if it is, then it's a moment for me to live in my faith. And so you think of some of those things that seem so, I don't know, fearful in life, right? And you begin to kind of run it through this filter. Well, is this about me pleasing myself? Or is this an opportunity for me to please God? So you, you take some of those things that get scary, like maybe, I don't know, going for a promotion. You gotta stand before your boss. Your boss. You gotta demonstrate that you've done the job and that you're worthy of the promotion. Or maybe it's starting a business. And you think to yourself, well, is this business about kind of pleasing my self-interest? Or is this business about pleasing God with my work and my calling? Maybe it's choosing not to do business. Maybe it's choosing to, to stay home and and to raise your kids, and you think, well, is this what God wants me to do? How can I please God through doing this? Maybe it's giving up your comforts. Maybe it's giving up some of your financial resources and saying, I wanna support what God is doing. And you just begin to kind of flip that script and say, would this please God? Because if it is, then I'm moving in the direction of faith because I need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, everyone has a story, everyone has Probably moments and experiences in their life that seem, well, I don't know, scary and risky. And, and my story is, is not your story, and what might have been risky for me may not be risky to you, but I can just think of the moments when I've just prayed and I've just said, God, I really want to get this right in my life. And, and a lot of those moments have had to do with just kind of the process God's, God's used to bring me into ministry. I'll be honest, in my 20s, I mean, being a pastor, that was the... That was not even on my list. It wasn't the last. It wasn't even on my list. I, I was coming out of college. I had a great degree as a chemical engineer. I got hired by the company I interned with. In fact, to this day, I would say it was probably the, the best job I ever had, just a great employer. And, and I loved that job, but I, I realized that as Sean and I uh, were starting our family, that that job and that career of constantly traveling, my territory was North America and Canada, like that's a big area, 
And I just found that, man, I, I'm not very available to, to be there to raise these young kids and, and to be close to my wife and, and love her and support her properly. And so it was really risky for me to, to leave that great job and, and pursue something completely different, which was not this. I actually first was a financial advisor and didn't have any background in stocks and bonds, and I had to learn all of that stuff kind of on the fly and, and start all over from, like, literally ground zero of, you know, managing hundreds of dollars and then thousands and then managing millions and then managing hundreds of millions of dollars until I'd kind of, again, built up a, a, pretty, good, a pretty good career. And again, felt like God was just stirring in my heart that for me, this wasn't the best way I could please him. And I remember going to my wife and, I'm, and I said, you know, look, I, I think God is, is calling me into ministry. And my wife, so beautiful and so supportive, said, well, then I'm, I'm in it with you. And just that process. And again, for me, those were huge faith moves, especially going into ministry with three kids, soon to be four kids, soon to be five kids at home. This was just a huge faith moment of trusting God. And it wasn't easy for us, but in life, Sean and I have both learned that we'd much rather be faithful and please God than to do the sort of things that maybe just make our lives more pleasing or more comfortable. And it has to do with this idea of faith. So I wanna give you the first way in which you can overcome your fear of failure, and it's this. If you don't take risk, you don't need faith. And I know that's a double negative, but I need that to kind of settle into your soul. Think about that. If you don't take risk, you don't need faith, and by definition, that would be a life that isn't faithful to God. And so what I would want more than anything for you is to live a life of risk, live a life that pleases God, and in doing that, have a life that's faithful. What I want to hear at the end of my life is the same thing I want for you to hear, which is the words of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know that that phrase from Jesus actually comes at the end of one of Jesus' most famous teachings, one of his parables. And the parable seems like it's all about money, but it's actually a story about risk. Uh, it's called the parable of the talents, or you could call it the parable of the bags of gold. And you probably know this parable. It's one where Jesus tells a story about a very wealthy master, and he's about to go on a journey, and so he calls in his three servants, and to one servant he gives five talents, five bags of gold. To another, he gives two bags, and to the one servant, he gives one bag. And scholars are really clear on this, that five talents, five bags of gold, is a lot of money. In fact, um, I did some research. A talent is about 100 pounds. So think one bag, about 100 pounds of gold. Uh, I did some math based on where gold closed last week. Uh, you'd be talking about one bag of gold is about, in today's dollars, call it $2.2 million. So do you see the magnitude of this gift? The master gives to one servant five bags, call it $10 million. He gives to the other servant two bags, call it four and a half, five million dollars. And then to one servant, seems like he gives him nothing, one talent, it's still $2.2 million. And the master goes away and the first servant with five bags immediately goes to work, turns that five into 10, he's on a roll. The second servant takes his two, turns it into four, he's on a roll, and the third servant, the one talent, the one bag, $2.2 million, 
buries it in the ground. And you can kind of just see the tension brewing because it says after a long time, the master comes back and he sits down with each of his servants. The first servant says, look at what I've done. Five's 10, 10 million's 20 million. And Jesus and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been entrusted with a few things. Now you'll be entrusted with many things. Same thing with the servant with two. You've turned it into four. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been trusted with a few things. Now you'll be entrusted with many. And the conversation I want you to hear is what the conversation of this master with the one talent individual, his servant. Picking up in Matthew 25, verse 24. It says, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered scattered seed. So I was afraid, fear. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would receive back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Now you gotta see in this story, I mean, this is not a compliment of the servant who buried his talent, right? I mean, you wicked, lazy servant. Those are not encouraging words, no matter how you couch them. In fact, at the end of the story, it wasn't on the screen, the master says, take this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can see that the, the stakes are so high. And this one person just did nothing with what he was given. Master says, you put it, should have put my money in the bank. I would have only earned maybe 3%, but it would have been better than nothing. See, the truth is, it does come down to our talent. And, and talent is God-given. Whatever talent, whatever resource God has given you, you've been given it, and it's an opportunity for you to use it to glorify God. It's not even your talent. It's kind of like in this story, these servants are sort of working with house money. It's not actually theirs. It's on loan. It's from God. And if we're talking about risk, it's obvious that the person who had the five bags took the most risk and is the most rewarded. The risk taker was rewarded. Give him the bag of gold. And I just wonder this morning, with each one of us, how God has trusted us in faith. And he's looking for us to extend that trust in risk, in using what he's given us to grow and to multiply here in the kingdom. It requires that we're persistent. In fact, I think we learned from this master, from this servant, a very important lesson on our fear of failure. Overcoming our fear of failure is realizing that no failure is final unless I give up. <laughs> And this becomes the choice that we each have to make in life. That it's really not a failure until you choose to say, I'm done, I give up. And that's what this servant did. He gave up. It's a lack of action because there's a complete lack of faith. And so he gives up. And so I wanna challenge you this morning to take a risk. In fact, as your pastor, I wanna give you permission this morning to actually do something that might might be a failure, and to kind of face those fears, whatever it may be. Whatever is staring in front of you, there's a reason. Don't punt on that problem, but actually go after it, head on, take a risk. Don't have kind of this 
paralysis by analysis, but actually try to work through it with God's help, for God's glory, glory in his faith. And I'm not just talking about like financial risk, right? I mean, if you got money in the stock market, it seems like every day has been a risk lately, right? I'm not talking about going to Vegas and putting it all on Red 7. I'm talking about the things in life that really matter. In fact, some of those things might not even be financial. They, they might be relational. And you might be staring a relational problem uh, right in front of you and feeling like, ah, I'm just, I just want to give up on this. In fact, uh, we, we oftentimes call our culture a cancel culture. I actually think that the biggest plague in our culture today is it, it's a quitter culture. That instead of doing hard things and, and engaging in challenges, we, we just kind of take the easy way and by default, we sort of quit. And I encourage you this morning not to do that, especially in relationships, to keep moving forward, whether that be in a marriage or in a friendship, or maybe it's, maybe it's in a parenting situation. You know, Sean and I, we're kind of so blessed now to have our kids kind of growing up and, and doing things on their own, and, and yet at the same time, we find ourselves being like, ee, this is scary, you know? Like, they're, they're not under our roof anymore. We used to say that when we had little kids, they had little problems, and now we have big kids, and they have big adult problems, and, and we got to stick with them and continue to help come alongside of them in whatever it is they're going through. Same is true for you, and maybe not just that, but maybe it's in your own life. Maybe, maybe what's staring in front of you is this, this habit or this addiction or this sin, and it's so easy just to give up, and by give up, just kind of give over to it time after time again, and I want to challenge you this morning to not give up. In fact, I want to challenge you not to not only not give up, but don't go it alone. I think I could say the same thing every Sunday, which is you need to get people around you if that's your challenge, to get a tribe, to get a group of people that will care for you and come alongside of you. You need to have at least one other person that will care for your spiritual life as much as you do. And when you get that group of people around you, I would tell you to open God's word. In fact, to get into God's word and to find his truth, it's constantly there to not fear. In fact, verse I just came across, um, just was sharing it with another friend this morning, uh, texting kind of back and forth another pastor in the area, is Proverbs 28, verse 1. I love this verse. It says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. I just love that, that those who are in right standing with God, they have this boldness about them. And it comes in this way that it's as a lion. A lion, kind of the way in which God works. The only cat I respect, first of all, is the lion. But it's the way in which we can live our lives, this boldness. And I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're having to deal with. But I want to challenge you this morning to be as bold as a lion, to have this right standing with God, to live it out with your boldness. It might be, it might be with your time. I mean, the riskiest thing you might have to do is to say, what part of my time am I actually using to please God? And that might be kind of a, a hard thing to reconcile because you realize, man, I've been using a lot of my time to kind of please and do things for myself. And so you just think, you know, I'm going to risk. I'm going to do something for someone else. I'm going to do something for maybe, maybe a nonprofit or a ministry I really care about or for the church. The church is the greatest volunteer revolution that was ever started by Jesus, all because of a risk of people saying, I'll put my time, I'll put my energy into it. Might be risking your resources. Maybe God looks at you and, and you're a, a five talent, a five bag of gold kind of person. 
or a two bag or a one bag, and you kind of realize this morning, you know, I can use that, I can risk that for the, to be faithful in the kingdom of God, to help grow his kingdom. It might be risking just how people see you in the world. It's kind of interesting, by almost every account, uh, evangelism is sort of at an all-time low in the Christian faith. It's just not really popular to share your faith in our world today. And you might be the person today that I would challenge and say, share your faith, share what God is doing in you, all the places that you can go with your faith. I want to give you my last thought, the way in which you can overcome your fear of failure. And with this one, I'm going to invite Eli and the team to come up and to lead us now. And it's very simply this, to overcome your fear of failure, it starts with refocusing on God's love. Maybe you're so overwhelmed with fear and maybe you've been bitten by taking a risk in the past, I would challenge you this morning to refocus on God's love. So beautiful, it says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, 1 John 4, 18. And you have a perfect heavenly father who loves you, who chases after you, who calls to you, and says, I will drive out all that fear in your life if you simply trust me. Martin Luther had a great way of looking at it. He called it the great exchange where all your fear and all your error and all your wrong and all your sin, instead of you getting the punishment for that, the great exchange is that Jesus took your place and he got what you deserved and you and I get what we don't deserve, which is love and grace and forgiveness. So I simply wanna close this message this morning by telling you if you haven't heard it in a while, that when God looks at you, you are his beloved, you are the apple of his eye, that God loves you with an everlasting love. And I want to tell you this morning that the riskiest thing you could do is to be entirely faithful to him. If you would bow your heads, pray together. God, I thank you that you created us with this ability to have all of your strength. That God, when Christ comes into us, we have the power of Christ, a resurrected life from the inside out. And God, it's only through your son Jesus that we can live that life out bold as a lion. And Lord, I just pray that God, you would do what you can only do in the human heart and in the depths of our soul, which is to call us into the life of faith, into a life of challenge and taking on risks so that you would receive the glory, so the enemy would lose and your kingdom would win. God, I pray in each heart this morning that you would give this power and this strength that you challenge us to face our fears and to conquer our mountains. God, we give you all the glory this morning. We're gonna sing to you now with hearts that are full of joy and full of the power that you have. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.